This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I spoke with Mark O'Sullivan, aka Mark O'Leary, and we discussed lots of things that have happened in So Rare this week. We went through all the announcements, the recent hirings, we discussed a few controversial topics, including the recent gambling regulations and worries around that. Uh, we also discussed the reward structure, dynamic rewards, a bit of controversy there. And we also had a look at the rumoured single scarcity divisions and what we think about them. That was in the question section. We finished with the 137 game and we had a great time. He sounds exactly like me, so good luck telling us apart. Mark, what is the crack? It's it's always great when of someone who talks like me on the podcast because there's very few people who listen to this podcast in the north of Ireland. So very ma- there's not many people who will be able to differentiate our voices. So it's going to be a fun hour. Yeah, I kind of feel sorry for everyone trying to listen along. Um, I really hope you have like a transcript because uh, trying to distinguish these might be a bit of being here. <laughs> and I find like I live in Cork, so the very south of Ireland. When I go home or when I'm talking to people who are from the north as well, I end up speeding up. I end up emphasizing things. Like I was away on a golfing weekend a few weeks ago with the family. And I came back down here. My girlfriend was like, what on earth are you talking like? You properly putting it on and talking really deep and getting <laughs> stuck in and like cursing more than normal, which might might surprise you but mark enough of that what is happening do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown on like just where you're at your your sort of journey on so rare any highlights lowlights milestones etc uh just to give people an idea of where you're at before we chat yeah um so i think the very first time i i find so rare was probably it's actually coming up to two years now um so it's it's kind of cool being one of the one of the early uh, players of the game um i find this yeah. platform which was doing stuff with football and combining it with like nfts which is something that i thought was really really fun um there's a couple of projects which were really really similar at that time but the good thing about so rare is that they have that fantasy element and i just was attracted to it straight away um i'm coming from like a, a background like even before i was playing swear I was, I was playing fantasy Premier league i was, I was big into that trying to do as well uh, a group of friends trying to get the best position possible yeah um so it's it always great crack and a bit of banter and I've, I've seen this and i thought okay this is mixing in you know that fancy element of fantasy Premier league and also giving me a chance to do more nft stuff which is what i had been getting into earlier that year so mm. yeah it's, it's been quite a journey since then um I started off slowly, really as a collector. Uh, I started buying some players, which I, I honestly, my, my strategy at the start was looking at players on Football Manager and seeing who's the most highly rated on that year's uh, <laughs> edition. So I think it was Football Manager 19 at the time. Uh, so that was the likes of Doku and Yari Varsharan. And later on, of course, whenever I felt a bit more comfortable with the platform, I, I thought, okay, this is actually a very solid platform, mm. not one, like one of these other ones I've been a part of. Where I was a bit nervous about the the direction in the future, uh, yeah. I sort of like lumped up and uh, took some of my ETH from other areas and just you know went after the, some of the uniques. So I got a good balance now of like uh, quite a few uniques from the early days, uh, a good number of super rares and probably far too many rares. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking there, and I mean, like I think I don't sit and I'm not one of these people who goes around looking at galleries and being envious and it's not even i don't do either part of that it's not that i'm saying i go and look at galleries and i'm not envious i'm definitely envious when i'm looking at this but i don't go around looking at the wheels galleries and i I consider you a wheel but like 
of your rookie, I think you have some really sexy rookies. Like I really do. I think that <laughs> if I if I could pick one now, I'm saying rookie, unique rookies, like really the rookie, rookie, rookie. I think that yep. Doku is one of those beautiful cards in the platform. I love it, and I just think the sky's the limit for that guy. So I'm, I'm I love that you have him. I think it's class. Yeah, um, I really love the way uh, Doku sort of has like a fan club when it comes to Sorer. There's like yeah. a huge number of us who are just all following. I'm like, yes, go on, Doku. He's playing for Belgium now, and you know, kicking ass. And I know uh, you'll never walk alone. He's got one of the other uniques. I think there's only two at the moment. So that's you the first one. That's the one that matters yes. if he goes on to reach the the heights everyone thinks. Yeah, and I suppose you were probably buzzing if I was listening to Quinny and Professor Tackers, who we'll later reference in this podcast. Um. They chatted on Quinny's podcast. I think it's so rare. Procast is called. I recommend you listen to it. I thought it was a great listen this week. But you must, I don't know if you listened to it yet, but uh, there was a little Doku love section. Maybe it was actually different content. Pretty sure it was there talking about all around scores and Doku, like being almost like a cheat code. Um, I love the way. I haven't heard maybe, that yet, but I'm definitely going to have to listen. Yeah. Because no. me all psyched up. And I was like, okay, that's I, it. Doku's, Doku's going to start. You know. There's going to be I nice, might actually. Uh, makes me, me more. There, there, exactly like there's lots of there's lots of like great content out there now and i'm i'm actually i could be mix, mixing this up with other stuff um but basically i think that was the conversation about doku scoring similar to neymar like the way he gets his points is a similar breakdown like all the take-ons the beaten players this sort of way um and anyway i'm, I'm going down a little a little doku loving here because i have one of his first cards as well albeit in rare but um you have some lovely cards is what i'm getting at thank you very much so um, I don't know. I think I bought it in to talk to you about your your Doku. Were you in the middle of something, or will we move on? No, feel free to move on. That's <laughs> so, bottom line here is that people have a rough idea where you're at. Um, it's Mark Alele, manager of Opta Blue, since the thirty first of October, twenty nineteen. So, yeah, you're coming up on your two year anniversary. Um, do you know, there's a lot to talk about today. I have went through it in the intro briefly. Um, but I think. The first thing I'll do is I'll just run through the announcements on the So Rare page. The first thing that kind of comes up here since last time I had a podcast, last week's was with McBride. I'd highly recommend listening to it if you haven't already. Um, basically, So Rare hired a few people. So they've welcoming four leaders to propel So Rare to new heights. So they've got four key hires for their leadership team. So I think basically what this kind of means is they've they've hired a bunch of people that are going to hire more people. And have the sort of credentials to do so. So they've got their principal architect, their head of business, dev development, that means, uh, chief operating office. Is that the officer? Um, and head officer of engineering. Yeah, they left out the R. Yeah. Um, and the head of engineering, um, three Yanks and a Frenchman. Sounds like the start of a dodgy joke. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's good. I don't know. Do you, are you one of the people who cares much about who they hire, when they hire, or is it something you don't really pay much attention to? I think uh, for most of the communities, it's definitely exciting to see them wrapping up the hiring. Uh, I think a lot of people are just wanting to see more features uh, being released quicker. And uh, I know there's been some frustration about the pace or the, the speed that some of the features come out. Um, but it's, it's just like a, a long process. I think me having been here for two years nearly now, uh, I've really seen a, a platform completely change from the early days, uh, where you just have you used to have like a power limit based on. The, the, the level of your cards yeah. so you could only have like a certain limit of, of strength of, of combination and then going into what we have now which is the different scars of these and stuff so it's, it's just a, a process which has evolved over time um, and obviously as they ramp up and get more people on board they'll be able to iterate faster new features and continue to scale and increase in popularity so at the same time yeah 
Something I'd like to ask you, based on being here two years, um, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask this beforehand, it's just come into my head. There's obviously managers who've been around from the get-go and you see some of them throwing the toys out of the pram here and going mad on the Discord there. In a nutshell, how do you genuinely feel about SoRare and its management team? Do you trust them? Are you back in the team as much as you're back in the platform? Like, how do you... Because there seems to be a lot of... I think there's a lot of friction at the minute based on the fact that obviously SoRare are definitely understaffed and people who should be focusing on big picture stuff are probably there answering customer support queries and tickets and stuff. You know, they're spread very thin. And I... I kind of understand that, but like you can get a lot of people who are very, a lot of people very pissed off that they might get a reply for two or three weeks, and that is fair as well. Like both sides are completely fair points. Do you empathize with that? Do you think they're doing well enough? Like where's your kind of gut sitting at the minute? Because there's kind of people um, on both sides, I think. I I really think I'm at a really good advantage to sort of make uh, a comment on, on how I feel about the team, just based on how long I've been uh, playing Sorare. But not only that, it's based on how I've seen other teams react for other NFT projects. So like I said, yeah. there's quite a few projects I got involved with in around uh, 2019. And one of them, I'm just going to name drop uh, right now, because uh, well, I, don't, I don't think there should be any issue doing this. Am I allowed to say? No, say whatever no. you want. All right, so it was a, a game called Crypto Space Commanders. Ah, not um, them. Jesus Christ, Mark. Yes, what are you playing? Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I mean. So you only have to have like experience of a couple other projects in the space to sort of appreciate uh, what Sorare is doing and the decisions they've been making along the, along the way. Um, if I had any real doubts about where the direction of Sorare and where it was going to go, or if I didn't actually trust Nicholas and their team, I probably would have left Sorare like a long time ago. I'm not the sort mm. of person who's comfortable believing the, the, the amount of ETH I have invested into this rare if I wasn't in full belief of the team. Um, and even comparing to like another project where I, I still uh, admire, I still think they're doing an okay job, but you know they, they, they're nothing compared to Sorare and I, I mean that uh, in, in a nice way to Sorare and it's not a real dig at, at this other team but yeah. it's Zed um, they've had a couple of technical issues when it comes to drops like people can't get in buying like brand new racehorses uh, virtual racehorses to race and it was just like hiccup after hiccup there's always like a new issues popping up uh, you can enter your actual races so if you imagine like the core functionality of Sorare where you couldn't enter any game weeks and that was down for say like an entire game week people would be you know absolutely fuming about it um, but like you, you asked you have seen um, some people chuck their toys out of the pram before I, I have actually been quite vocal with some things that I do disagree with and I think that's one of the good things about the team is that Whenever you have members of the community who go back and forth and give their feedback, the team's always willing to listen. Um, and I know one of the big things I mentioned in the past is to do with the ETH thresholds and the ETH rewards. Um, I, I really feel that's a, a huge, huge part of the game. It's, it's, it's something that's actually on board like a lot of people. It's something mm -hmm. I can sell to people. Okay, you join this here, you put your money in, you can win a little bit of ETH every single week and people love that especially now yeah. that ETH is worth so much more but you know the team's always been great uh, with getting back to any, any questions I've had um, and just day to day I can see Dan and, and the rest of the team getting back to different people's questions so it's excellent and the communication back and forth with those uh, ask me anything uh, that we should do every single quarter is top notch so long may it continue because that's the thing I think like I, I everyone listening to this right there's however many people listen to this 
and I know what it's like listening to a podcast, right? And I know the optics. People are looking and it's like, oh, there's John. He has a podcast. He's the YouTube. He's an affiliate. Big man's probably creaming it with signups. I see his YouTube. Do you know, I get that. And people probably think this man's lying in his pockets. He's the rose tinted glasses. Do you know, big man's going to do what helps him. And I, I get it. I hear you. I really do hear you. But I honestly, I am trying to remain as impartial as possible, but I am just, I just think I have a lot of empathy for the team personally. I understand the sheer amount of, like, like you look at the, the parabolic growth of this platform over the last eight or nine months and how they're trying to keep up with that and how they're not trying to hire in a panic and just hire anyone to start answering stuff. They want to hire correctly. And that's important. That's very important long-term. They're not panicking. They're doing things methodically. And yes, there are definitely things they could do better. And there are definitely things they could have done differently but i don't know i just for me it's just i'm all very excited i think so rare is great i'm over the moon about it and like look they're gonna get it right it's just gonna take a bit of time but like so i'm kind of of the the frame of mind to give them a bit of leeway i'm sure they're working on it they're up the walls but i completely get the other side as well and i'm happy that the other side exists because they're the people that do the dirty work that i can't be fucked doing of chasing people up and stuff. And we're going to get into some of the dirty work a little later. Um, I really appreciate that side of the community that are on their case and keeping them on their toes because I'm just not that guy, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, because I never want people thinking, listen to this podcast, oh, John, like, doesn't care. It's like, you're kind of right. I kind of don't care. <laughs> and you're never going to get that from me. Um, but thankfully, guests and, and some of the community do that for us. But I'm kind of going off on a spiel there. The bottom line here is, They've signed four people. They've signed them. It's like a football team. They've got four new leaders in the team, which is brilliant. So look, welcome to... I, I, I've done this the last few. There's going to get to a stage where So Rare is too big to welcome everyone. But David Bithow, Michael Meltzer, Ryan Spoon, lovely name, and Silva Newtard, who I think has been welcomed about four times, is there. Um, so yeah, the next thing in the announcements here that kind of jumps out is the new faces, part one. And what I find funny about this, and I said to you just before we recorded, it's it's part one and it's from M to Z. Surely part one should be A to M and part two should be M to Z because it's alphabetical. But anyway, what I want to throw at you here is, is there anything, anyone that jumps out at you that, I don't know, you think you want or maybe you don't want to say yet, but... I think probably yeah. like the one that stands out the most, um, and probably the most for like a lot of people, would be Sergio Aguero. Um Really, just for like the meme, you know, Aguero's. You know, so I'm sure there's a lot of like Man City fans who want to have him in this collection, uh, in their collection. Sorry, uh, there's Pau Torres as well, and he's he's had some very nice scores uh, from Eric Rugby uh, when I was looking through some of these some of these players. So, and of course Matthew Hop, who has got a very big following in America. So, I imagine. Uh, all those guys across the pond will be how do we look at him, trying to get him signed up. So he's been doing well for is the he, United States. I honestly, if I was getting a hop card, I would just go and find a shell card. Like, and this yeah. sounds so, you said you come in initially from a collector standpoint, right? I seen, I think it was Laird, Andy Laird, uh, posted something like, what was this I posted yesterday? Was it something about a Parejo or something? Probably. I don't even know if I can find this in a hurry. You and Pareho? I mean, that sounds definitely possible. <laughs> oh, no, it was it was Aronson. Aronson, right? So yes. someone posted, so, it was the Aronson giveaway and something, whatever else. It was his rookie, it was not his rookie, sorry, it was his jersey mint of this season. So it was like the 11 of 100 of 2021, 2022. 
and it was given away and whatever and I, I forget whatever happened but bottom line was Andy basically posted a picture and he had one and it was like I think it was like the one of a hundred of this season and I kind of replied saying like is it rookie though because and it's a bit like petty and a bit like oh whatever but honestly like personally and maybe I'm off my game if we go to hop for example I would rather and I would personally pay more for the Shelk Matthew Hop card than I would for the one of a hundred of this season. Personally. I agree with you completely. Like I, I think the the value honestly comes from the earlier the cards. Um so if you get ones like one of the things I've actually been looking out for recently, um in the past six months has been the eighteen nineteen cards. Uh mm. there's so little of them on the market in terms of and actually in terms of what was actually printed as well um and to find ones which are actually have utility and they're being used week in week out uh they're going to be worth quite a lot if you imagine like 10 years time uh you've got like a brand new joiner in 10 years time and they're getting all these uh what was it uh, 2030 2031 cards uh and then yeah. you have something back from 2018 2019 they're like whoa like how'd you manage to get one of them you know so like yeah, these yeah. things will go down in history. Um, so I agree completely. Like you really want to have the the earliest version of that card uh, to prove that you were around uh, at the start, or you're just a a really good collector. So and I think it's the same with everything. Like I mean, I say that the same. And if you look at my so rare collection, I think it reflects that. Like the the turkey, I didn't want a one of a hundred twenty 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 one turkey. I would rather the Mathis turkey card. Same yep. with the Ronaldo. When I went to buy the Ronaldo, I didn't want the later Ronaldo. I wanted the first print of Ronaldo on so rare. I could say it with a million examples, but I constantly try and do it. And it's just it's just a wee nuance and a funny thing because people always think like the one of a hundred, wow. It's like, do you really think the fifth the third or fourth year, let's say that Yari Versharan is on so rare, people care as much about the one of a hundred as they care about the, the eighteen nineteen card or whatever it was, you know, the, the funny looking card. You have the unique of it, do you? Um, uh, yeah, one where his head looks really big or something. But yes. you know, people care about that earlier card more than they care about the one of a hundred of the third or fourth season. It just doesn't have the same significance. But there's yeah. a tangent uh, for to, you. I agree with you to a certain degree, but I actually think um, the later cards can hold its own if there is a certain like special season for that club. Yeah. So, for example, I'll give the example: if Chelsea was minted last season, uh, even two seasons ago, and you have this is, the cards from last season probably be worth of way more because they're the ones who actually went on to win the Champions League. So that yeah. actually means a lot more to me as a Chelsea fan, where I can go on and be like, oh, there's the Mason Mount. He was the that was him and that kid whenever he went up and he uh, won the Champions League with Chelsea. So yeah. I, I think that's the only time where you could sort of make a, an argument, and that's really down to personal preference. But like you said, I think for most collectors, I'll be you know the earliest card possible is, is the one that's going to be the one they're going for. So yeah. No, I think it's um, what you're saying has a lot of significance and something I just want to shout out now because I'm a big fan of their show. There's a, a couple of guys called Jason and Enzo who have a podcast called Soccer Cards United. Um, I really rate their stuff. I really enjoy their podcasts and I think they have like a beginner's starting to collect soccer cards episode. I think it's like episode 17 or something of their podcast. And you might be like, why are you tell me about a soccer card podcast, John? Because I think like we're in the very early stages in So Rare and we're really working out and a lot of people are discovering what the collectability is about. But I think long term, it's just going to follow what the the hobby that's been around for decades has done. Now, the soccer hobby is pretty new, granted. But at the same time, I think a lot of the patterns we'll see and a lot of the things that are respected and, and given love in the, the so rare collectability side of things will be um, 
will come directly from the the circuit card hobby so i'd recommend their content if you're into that um so anyone else on that list that jumps out at me i think like hop is obviously one i think oyazerbal i think he'd be a cracker uh your man michael marino is a solid player too even i don't know i haven't necessarily looked at their scores i just know oyazerbal probably scores well um kubo obviously i'll get a bit of has he got cards on the platform before there's first print I believe they're first print. There's first, I would say print because the card that's mint, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. the first ones. So, all right, okay. Yeah, that that one of a hundred Kubo might f- fetch a a wee penny. You know, the Japanese side to him like is collectible as well. Like, um, well, so if you a have lot of him, Asian players. Japan's playing someone absolutely rubbish. You're going to score about hundred points. <laughs> that's it, literally. Um, be interested to see and how much he goes for. So. There's Xavi Simons, Simons. Uh, yeah, he went from Barcelona has PSG to cards. PSG, and then he's way back again. Um, so, guess not PSG again, maybe. It says here he's at PSG. I thought he moved. I thought he moved. No, not no, PSG. PSG. Yeah, I think there were rumors of him moving. Maybe he didn't in the end. He's a kid who's been around for years. Meant to be the next big thing, hasn't he? Yeah, another I one think... I on uh, Football Manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and again with that, like, I wonder what his lowest price is of his last season cards on the market at the minute, like, because I mean, personally, I'd rather go for one of those um, 2021 2020-2021 cards. That's just me. So it'll be interesting to see how the prices go there. But anyway, they're the ones who jump out at me on that list. Um, is there anyone else? Don't think so. Um, will we move on? Sure. So the next thing I had on my list, there's nothing else really there um, in the announcements. Big, big conversation this week, and it needs to be had, is around gambling. So it's been brought up before in the podcast in different sort of situations, briefly, albeit. Uh, we were discussing just beforehand about this and how we think like long term, you know, this is going to be a recurrent theme. This is going to be coming up regularly enough, so don't want to bore the tits off everyone, but I think this is the first week for me that it seemed like significant enough to have its own section of the podcast. It's been a big, big topic of conversation. I'm going to go off on a little monologue here for a minute, Mark, and just kind of fill people in who maybe missed it or who aren't on Twitter or whatever else. Um, just let them know kind of how it's went about or what's happened. So basically, um, and I'll give Gardner a shout out, F.I. Gardner, um, who's on Twitter, he posted a question saying, what do you make of the Gambling Commission statement about so rare is it something we should be concerned about? And then he says, for anyone that missed it, and he links the the article. Now, just to poke fun at someone first, because that's what we do. Siege of the day. Um, it's kind of funny. Big man had blocked me a long time ago, even though I was always very friendly, and then posts a little link to something, which I'm definitely going to reference, and says, this won't be discussed, will it? With a question mark. See, today, if you listen to this podcast, you know, of course, I'm going to fucking discuss it. Jesus Christ. I'm not going to like ignore something as big as this. But um, so the, the consumer information notice that came from the Gambling Commission in the UK, who we all know are ever vigilant and amazing at their jobs. That is sarcasm for anyone who missed it. They're absolute shite. They're just crap. Anyway, it has come to our attention 
that the football-themed website SoRare is available to consumers in Great Britain. SoRare.com is not licensed by the Gambling Commission. This means that any activity completed on the site by consumers in Great Britain is outside of the gambling regulations that a licensed operator should comply with. Consumers are being advised to consider this information when deciding whether or not to interact with the site. The Gambling Commission is currently carrying out inquiries into the company to establish whether SoRare requires an operating license or whether the service it provides do not constitute gambling. We will not be commenting further pending the conclusion of those inquiries. Oh, so they're basically saying, whatever happens, we're not going to talk to you about it. So basically all this means is we've got stung in the past by platforms that people who love SoRare loved. So we need to make sure that you're aware that we aren't licensing these people. We don't know if they need licensed or not. We're going to investigate it. But just so you know, we aren't licensing them so you aren't protected by us. Is is that kind of what they're saying? Yeah, that's the sort of gist I'm getting from it. Um, they haven't like uh, came to a conclusion of what sort of state Surveyor's in. Um, yeah. I, do, I definitely find this topic really interesting and it's, it's something that's actually been coming up over and over again uh, ever since I first uh, appeared on, on Surveyor. It's been asked every single time, I think, that ask ask me anything and it's the same thing as it's something that Sorare has been aware of uh, throughout uh, time since inception and um, they've always done the research and they've got legal experts on, on board um, to ensure that they're always going to be compliant with any laws and make sure they're not going to be considered to be gambling um, so I'm not really uh, too worried about this at all uh, I think they've also got a huge amount of funding recently as well so it means they can they can afford any legal battles or anything you know they'll be able to pay for the legal advice or whatever it needs to be needs to happen so i think if i was just like and there's more to talk about here there's something about switzerland i'm going to reference i'm going to give you so rare's official statement that we're going to make a little segment of this as such but like my gut when i look at it says this and i want to preface this every single week i do this with a disclaimer like if this worries you or if you if, if this worries you or you feel there could be some sort of repercussion in the line, don't listen to me on this. I'm not some expert lawyer in gambling. I don't have a fucking notion. I'm only speaking from what I'm feeling. So don't take my word as meaning anything. And also, like... Don't take um, my word either. I'm not Yeah, we're, we're just spitballing. <laughs> but, but my gut tells me, and maybe I'm wrong, when I look at this, right, I'm looking at a company now worth over $4 billion that got 680 million of money in Series B funding from very, very savvy, clever business people who have billions, right? I would like to think that this is something they've considered, thought about, and that they have a solid argument for. (laughs) And just to read their official statement, it's not long. At So Rare, fans can celebrate their passion for football in in a unique way by collecting... And there we go, collecting. And just to be to be serious now, we've just talked for like 20 minutes about collecting. So like, it's not like they're using collecting as the guys to hide their gambling. By collecting rare NFT cards and playing our global fantasy football game, our community has unlocked a new way to connect with the players and clubs that they love. When a product with a na- nascent, what even does that word mean? Nascent, does that mean anything to you? Nascent. Maybe just coming title. into existence and beginning to display signs of future potential is what nascent means. All right. So uh, when I... Com- 
There we go. Nascent. When a product with a nascent, maybe I'm not even saying it right, technology becomes successful, such as SoRare's digital collectible cards in game, it is normal and expected to receive regulatory questions. And absolutely, you would expect them to ask the questions. So, like, actually, while we all hate the Gambling Commission because of a lot of us have been burnt or feel that they've let us down in the past, it's good that they are inquiring and it's good that they are looking. That That's their job. Um, we're very confident SoRare does not offer any forms of regulated gambling. This has been confirmed by expert legal opinions at every stage since the company was founded, including during a number of fundraising rounds. We will always engage and have an open dialogue with authorities who reach out to us to learn more about our game. We believe this is the responsible way to grow our game and community globally. So that's their official statement. And it pretty much backs up what I think. Like, I'm no expert here. People in the community talk like they're experts, but really don't have a fucking clue. It's all just what we reckon. And But the bottom line here is we're talking about a company worth $4 billion And people who've put hundreds of millions in, I would like to think that they have done that due diligence and that's been completed. And so rare have confirmed us that it's been done at every stage of the funding. Or the funding. So like, it doesn't worry me. It hasn't made me consider once selling anything. But I understand, like... It's a big thing people worry about, so I don't know. I think it's something that's going to keep cropping up. Now, the Swiss thing, just to throw that into the mix, Mark. So this is from Seeds of Day. Um, some of you might know him on Twitter. I'm very sceptical, but you always need that in the community, so fair play. It's all about being constructive, though. So the Swiss gambling supervisory authorities have decided that so rare is gambling adding it to their list of companies deemed to be operating illegally within the country with no gambling license, left Swiss users with no access to their galleries. Now, they can definitely access it via VPN or something, but apparently it's on the the Swiss gambling things um, banned sites, so I don't think you can access it in Switzerland. Now, there was a statement on this. Right there, let me see. Is this even... Yeah, this one. I don't think this is an official statement, but this is Dan on Discord said. This is a long enough segment here, Mark. Sorry, I know I've been talking a lot, but I'll let you speak in a second. For anyone who may have missed it, here's the message I shared last week. We have recently learned that SoRare has been added to a list by an agency working for the Swiss Gambling Authority. This has resulted in our website being blocked to players based in Switzerland. Normal procedure is for the gambling authorities to reach out to us to learn more about the product, NFTs, and our innovative platform. We just contacted the authorities to clear the matter. So, I've thrown a lot at you there. Do you agree, disagree? Is there anything that jumps to mind? Um, I think it was to be expected. I, I did sort of expect this to happen eventually, where gambling commissions will, would take a look at Sorare and sort of evaluate whether or not it is gambling. Um, the fact that Sorare has had legal experts throughout the, the entire journey of, of Sorare, um, just advising them on what to do and, and how to how to form things. Like they've been they've probably been told from the very get go, okay, don't don't make SO five, so you have to pay uh, you know, say fifty euros to enter a competition. Don't make it so you have to pay zero point zero two to enter a competition every single game week because that is what constitutes or that is what equals gambling. Uh, once you actually pay in, you're risking a wager. Uh, once you finish, you'll lose it if uh, completely. If, if if you if you haven't hit like the top scores, um, or if you hit the top scores, you win it back and you win a prize, or whatever. So I think it's been very smart the way they've set up Sorare from the get go uh, to make sure that it's not to be uh, considered to be gambling. And I really think that there's nothing really to worry about here. So yeah, from my that, opinion, instead. That being said, if, if they do consider it to be gambling in the UK, that actually 
throws a complete new angle uh, towards Ferrer because if they do get a gambling license in the UK and everyone has... We're going to have packs, baby. <laughs> yeah, but this, it's not <laughs> no, just that. It's actually gambling is tax-free in the UK, so then anyone who wants to cash out their earnings in the UK could do it completely tax-free. So it's actually if you're betting on football or if you're mm. betting on poker. But, you know, that's a, a, another angle. But it's, it's just something... You know, to consider. Yeah. An angle I want to go with that for let me think about this. Was there something I wanted to say back to you? I think okay, there's two things here. Let me the gambling remind me when I'm done throwing this at you. Yeah. Um about that gambling angle tax free. Remind me of that conversation. Um so one thing I seen it might have been Hendo, it might have been someone else. It might have been someone else, I'm sorry. But they were thrown into the mix there, sort of saying, like, what is the difference between so rare and Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Where you go and you buy your blue eyes, shining dragon, or whatever the fuck it's called, and you bring it and along with your other wee cards to your local Yu-Gi-Oh convention, and you compete with these cards, and there's a cash prize or Yu-Gi-Oh card prizes up for grabs on the day. Is that regulated on gambling? And then the argument is: Would so rare cards have a value if it wasn't for SO five? I think we all know that if SO five disappeared, which wouldn't because maybe ETH could from it. Maybe ETH prizes could disappear, but you're always going to be able to win more cards. I don't know is the answer. I don't think it would, and the company have confirmed that it's not in their interest and it's not in their plans. The bottom line is, though, would they be collectible? And I think at this stage, we'll probably be in trouble. I think if you give it five or ten years, there's enough of an IP and enough there that the cards will have enough notoriety or they'll be known. Or they'll be, they will be... Uh, what is the word? They'll be culturally relevant in the NFT football space and they will be relevant enough that they will be collectible. I don't know if we're there yet, but I'm kind of just throwing that into the mix because I've seen it like comparisons there on Twitter about kind of these Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon cards and whatever else. Like, how do you regulate that thing, shit? The only other thing I'd say there is if Sorare got rid of SO5, that doesn't necessarily mean that any third party has to get rid of it because yeah. you can have third parties popping up for... Lots of different countries. So you could have like Sorare Mega, you have Sorare Data, and you have them all you know, obtaining gambling licenses if they want to, uh, or just make it so that you know you can still use them uh, in a fantasy element. Maybe you just don't buy into it, and that because it's free to enter, you might have the same situation where it's not gambling. So there's there's a couple of different things they could do and go down that path. And I can I can hear I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, tell me this then. This is what I was going to throw back at you. I think like with the Let's pretend for a minute they do get regulated by the Gambling Commission. Let's say they do. Let's just say, yeah. do you know what? You're full of shite, lads. You are gambling and we think you're gambling. Is it game over? And this is like one of those things where we both just preface this with, I'm not trying to bring Doomsday. I'm not trying to bring Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to fearmonger. Just as an interesting conversation point. They're regulated by the Gambling Commission. And again, neither of us have a fucking clue. We aren't, we don't know. Yeah. I'm going to speculate because that's what I'm going to do. But do you, is that game over? Because I'm starting to think like, okay, that happens. It's no longer global. It'll be global in terms of who, oh, would football clubs even want to be licensed in that? Oh, but this is, this is the thing about when it comes to um, the Gambling Commission. It's done on a per nation basis. So Switzerland's 
went down that path considered it to be gambling. The UK is currently looking into it. I think for the UK, it's absolutely fine. But the problem, if Surveyor is considered to be gambling, is in those countries where gambling is outlawed or banned. Because in those countries, that's going to completely restrict or cut off those players. So like you said, it's no longer becoming the global game anymore. Uh, the only other thing I would say from that is that it might be actually hard for Surveyor to become a sponsor of a company because yeah. if they're on the shirts of, of, of football clubs and then people might get very up to you why are you encouraging gambling blah 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 uh, by being a sponsor of letting them be a sponsor of your team that could have its own issues but you see how much money goes through the sports betting industry anyway I don't think it'll be game over I think it'd be a massive dent and and Terrera as it stands right now yeah it's just something they'd have to bounce with uh, I, right now I, they could uh, probably acquire a gamble night license i could still play because i live in the uk i'm not so fine um they could acquire a gamble license probably in ireland i'm pretty sure ireland's is actually in um but it's, drink it's and horse for, racing that's what we're about it's, yeah it's, it's more for america where i'd be a bit more nervous because yeah. there's only so many states over there uh when it comes to like betting and playing poker um that's only legal in so many states so that'll be the more interesting part of it mm. Look, who knows? Maybe one day we'll have packs and you'll have to pay entry into SO5 and the price will be even bigger. I don't know. Maybe we'll go DFS. But look, again, yeah. this is all just speculation. It's a big hot topic of the week. It's worth having a chat about. But again, for the third time, I do not have a clue what I'm talking about. It's all just layman speculation guy. here. Yeah. Um, so look, we've covered that, I think. Um, I think, like, obviously, well, the Swiss the, thing isn't the last day. thing I'd actually say about that is. Uh, when, if you want to actually take a, take a look at it on another viewpoint, you could actually look at how OpenSea operates in terms of like people go in there, buy random NFTs all the time. Uh, they try and argue that these NFTs have value, but really what the majority of those traders are doing are essentially gambling on the value of that NFT. So yeah. if you want to like try and brand Sorare with a gambling uh, you know, label, where do you sort of cut the line? Where, 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 do, you, where yeah. do you stop? You know, you're going to have to go through the entire NFT industry, go through OpenSea, and go through again to like Zed Run. I know they've actually been looking into uh, gambling licenses because they're looking to do actual betting on their horse races. Uh, so that's understandable because that is actual gambling in that case. And they also have an entry fee for every single race. You can't race your horse unless you pay in and you gamble your money that your horse is going to win. So. But yeah. there's so many other other areas they would have to look into, and um, if, if this goes down, so yeah, nope, I hear you. Um, so look, we'll see how that goes. I'm sure it's not the last we'll speak of it in the podcast. Um, the next topic I wanted to bring up, just because I've seen it thrown about a lot, is rewards and tiers. Now we're going to get into the different, um, like the the scarcity based divisions and stuff soon. I think there's a question about that from Perez. We'll do that in the question section. There's actually lots of great questions. So we'll try and get on them soon, but we'll we'll kind of fly through this quickly. Um, so I didn't really know where to come at this from because I think my whole view on it, my whole understanding of it, which is very limited, kind of comes from just what I've been seeing around sort of discords and WhatsApp and not even necessarily WhatsApp, but like Twitter and the Discord. You know, I've seen like lots of talk. And the, the ringleaders, definitely from, from what I've seen so far, have been Professor Tackers and Perez, two guys I spoke to in the podcast, two guys I thought spoke very well, two guys I trust, two guys whose opinions I respect, two guys who 
I don't think have anything to gain from throwing the toys out of the pram and being dicks for the sake of being dicks. So when they say something, I generally listen, right? I didn't really know where to start or what to read here, but just to give people who are listening a bit of context, I'll give you what my rough idea of what's happening here is, and I'm probably wrong, and then I'll read out something Professor Tecker's posted on the feedback ideas section in um, Sorare's Discord. So basically there's a bit of uproar. The, 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 the basic topic is that the whole dynamic rewards aren't really functional as they should, and that, for example, in D5, they're getting allocated as new teams are onboarded and new cards are released. D5 is getting loads of new cards, like their rewards have increased by 100% or whatever else. D4, a little less. D3, a little less. D2 apparently is getting shafted and D1s remained kind of the same. But apparently, like, D2's rewards are actually going down. And I don't know if this is necessarily in All-Star, Under-23, America, wherever. I think it's kind of across the board on average. Like, D2 is getting get shafted with the rewards it seems um before i actually even read into what tackers is saying here have you any thoughts on this is it something you pay a lot of attention to how the rewards have been going with the dynamic rewards how they're changing how they look each week is it something you care about much or no it's definitely something i care about a lot um because whenever i I made that leap to sort of invest more into the uniques is really just trying to work out which divisions would be the most uh, profitable in terms of like where can i spend my money get the best rewards uh or divisions which have the best rewards or the most amount of rewards and then i can hopefully gain that value back and, and make my money back over time um i have noticed this in the past uh, where the, the the rewards over time with this dynamic rewards, it seemed that they they promised that it would gradually get better. You'd have more rewards, it'd be more fair, and I'll, I'll sort of stretch all the way down. So there's fair progression and everything. But I haven't really felt that way uh, for a long, long time. It seems to be more and more competitive. There's more and more players playing surveyor, yet somehow we're, we're resulting with less rewards. Uh, there's global all star from uh, game week two ten uh, had. Uh, 42 rewards in Division 2 and if you compare that to 206 and there's only 47 yet uh, from my memory the number of teams that are actually playing in, in terms of license teams are very very similar so mm. you know they're already going down which makes no sense at all because like they're holding back obviously cards they don't have the cards to put into reward pools of the teams that are licensed and that they have but they just haven't released yet so let's say I'm like 99% sure here. I'm actually 100% sure. Liverpool's 2021-2022 cards haven't come out yet and it's mid-October. No. We don't know if they will, even to be fair. Um, yeah, so maybe they're a bad example. Last, the season before last, there was West Ham. Those yeah, released. so maybe that's a bad example. Liverpool, so it could be a new team this season. Look, pick any other team that's in top five leagues. I don't know. Fucking Napoli. Lazio. Have Napoli cards? Lazio. Right, let's, let's take Lazio. So Lazio's new season cards aren't there, so they aren't in the reward pool, so that's fine. But the bottom line here is that Lazio teams have been licensed and are being added in. Every week they're announcing clubs. The Brazilian clubs are coming out. There were, was it Italian clubs last week? There are different clubs coming out, and surely the reward pools should reflect that. And that doesn't seem to be the case. I'll read out quickly here what Tackers wrote. Um, and there was, probably, there was a bit of context to this and a bit of discussion beforehand. But I think this one kind of seemed a bit more pertinent on the podcast. I've read what was shared when explaining the dynamic reward system, but at the moment the output just doesn't make sense to me. Yes, I'm that person who's been monitoring this every week since the new system was introduced, but for me the details are incredibly important, and at the moment the output is not consistent nor predictable based on the advertised variables. There are so many examples that do not support the explanation of how dynamic rewards is intended to work. Take Champion D4 for example. 
so rare have onboarded the whole of La Liga, which has led to a significant increase in licensed clubs, yet there's been barely any change in the number of prizes awarded. So he uses an example here of Game Week 192, there were 10 licensed clubs and 147 rewards in Champion D4. In Game Week 210, 43 licensed clubs, so like three, more than four times as many, and there was just 16 extra rewards, 163 rewards as opposed to 147. This just does not make sense to me. Uh, the season has just begun, so supply is good. Number of players has significantly increased, yet a 4x increase in licensed clubs has produced a 10% increase in rewards distributed. There has to be other variables influencing the output because at the moment it doesn't add up. I acknowledge I'm comparing the licensed clubs, not number of players. However, if it's the number of players that that's having such an impact on the output, then it places significantly greater emphasis on getting all players, all possible players minted. This is the last little paragraph. We've seen some wild outputs in the past couple of weeks with, he believes, players that were on international duty and not eligible for the regions, America and Asia. Uh, so, so players that were on international duty and not eligible for the regions being used to calculate the total number of rewards, making them incredibly generous considering the amount of teams playing. This makes me think that the Opta feeds could be having an impact. We've seen a lot of Austrian players move to the reserve teams by Opta in recent weeks. Is this somehow influencing the output as the algorithm believes that there are fewer eligible players in a given game week? Um, so that that's the spiel there. The bottom line is there's a lot of concern about, you know, there's loads of people being onboarded. There's loads more teams that have licensed. There's loads more players becoming available on the market on every single daily basis, yet the rewards aren't increasing. So the competition's increasing and the rewards aren't increasing as we expected them to based on the dynamic reward system that we were promised. So the question, the over overarching kind of point here is, is are so rare aware of it and is this how it's supposed to function or is it broken and they're trying to fix it and work it out? I think we all know that they've been trying to get this right and they've been talking about the dynamic, dynamic rewards and trying to get it right for some time. But... Is it good enough? Is my question to you. Yeah, I definitely think it can be improved. Like I was saying, uh, the amount of players that are playing SO5 nowadays is increasing massively. Um, it's going up every single week. Yeah, you're not seeing the same sort of increase in prizes, which makes sense to a certain degree because there's a, a scarcity to, to be considered. So you only have like 10 yeah. rare cards every single season of each player. Um, and you only have one unique. Uh, but again, one of the things that changed in recent times is that the Division 2 no longer gives you uh, a unique prize for placing first. It used to be mm -hmm. a big, big selling point for Division 2. Uh, so maybe introducing that back in uh, could be an option. Uh, but what I think they should really be looking at is trying to increase the number of places which get an ETH reward. Because I think an ETH reward is better than no reward. And right now, that actually probably could help the, the secondary market as well. Because you're encouraging people to enter these tougher divisions to spend a little bit more on, on the super rares and then they will get rewarded with extra ETH which they can put back into uh, strengthening some of their other teams as well. So for example if you're finishing in uh, the top 25 in Division 2 and there's 100 teams competing against you and you might get say 0.05 ETH instead of the 0.02 which is the threshold. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's a little bit but it's, it's enough that you know say four four game weeks of winning that you'll get 0.2 ETH and 0.2 ETH can get you a super rare granted it's going to be probably a pretty trash one but yeah. uh, you probably get one which is not so popular um, or one that's in an off season so for example whenever MLS goes off 
and they're no longer being used. A ton of them, so rare cards are probably dropping price, and you could probably pick up one for quite cheap. Um, mm. I also noticed like whenever the Austrian Bundesliga came on, there's a lot of players that came in and are very undervalued. So I think it would be useful for acquiring some of those players. I got a crack in Austrian Bundesliga super rare. Um, yeah, I talk about him on, on videos all the time. I've tested him a few times. And the reason I call him Kraken is that I think I got him in like the special weekly. No, I got him in under 23's D2 in a midweek when like no one was playing and my guys all just happened to shoot like 60 odd points each. And I kind of thought like, I think like he's cool. a tier three or a tier two. I don't even know. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, who's this guy? Oh, geez, I don't even know who he is. Johan Handel. I mentioned him in all the videos now. His last four scores, right? One of the games he didn't play. 72, 62, 60. He's an all-around monster. He doesn't get many decisives as a defender, but he's like, even without like the clean sheets or whatever, he's shooting me 60 points a week. Like, that's a cracking super rare to have. That sounds like you got a good hand on that league. (laughs) (laughs) Wow! Like, my my mind's going mad here trying to think of like an an Austria of Wayne, (laughs) Vienna, Poland thing, but let's move on before I embarrass myself. (laughs) More than you already have. (laughs) But um, look, I could go into what Perez is saying here. I could go into more. We could talk about this forever. But the bottom line is, and it actually might be good to have one of those guys in the podcast soon again. Um, because, you know, as I said, they're guys I trust. They're guys that I, I, I respect. And, you know, they're putting in a lot of effort, a lot of work looking at all this stuff. And, you know, something isn't adding up. And it would be nice to have clarification why it isn't adding up. Do you know? Um, is there a longer term plan? Is there a reason for it? Is this the way it should be? You know, or is it has it been an oversight, or you know something that's in the works, but they they haven't been able to fix quick enough? Because look, I'm the same. I'm making a push to D three. I enter D threes, all the D threes now, other than like America and Asia. I enter them every week now, and there's weeks like this week where I had to make the decision where do I put in my one super rare goalkeeper and all team into a D two tournament, or do I stick to you know strengthening my D threes and really doubling down there? And I've kind of in the end decided just look it's probably a better practice anyway but to go for the quality d3s over the quantity of adding that d2 team in it's probably best practice regardless but it was a kind of deciding factor for me when i kind of looked at it and i've seen the uproar and i've seen that it's not adding up and i went into the prize pools and let me see if i go to the prize pool the one i was going to enter was under 23s d2 i mean you're talking 22 cards up for grabs um i don't know maybe that's all right for d2 i haven't really played there much but like if the other divisions are getting a bit more love and there's a bit more rewards out there, Global D3 in particular, the amount of star airs up for grabs, like, it just didn't make sense for me to bother my arse. And it would, at the minute, based on what I'm hearing, it might put me off going buying some more super rares and progressing. So, I thought it was worth bringing I think up. It, I think a big thing for me, of course, is trying to work out what's the percentage chance of getting rewards based on how many players are entering and how many prizes are up for grabs. So uh, there's a great tool. Um, I can't remember who actually posted this originally, but there's a percentage chance calculator. I'm probably going to send it over and maybe you could share out after this. Yeah, um, But right now you can see that, uh, for example, if I'm, I'm looking at Division 1 and the Global Under 23s, there's four prizes, but there's only 16 managers entered. So that means you've got a 25% chance of potentially getting a prize. And that's actually really, really helpful whenever 
I'm sitting looking at these uh, divisions, trying to work out, okay, yeah. should I go for D3? Should I go for D2? Or should I even try and stretch myself to D1? But one of the things I always say, uh, you got to play to your strengths. Like if you've got a very, very strong gallery with very strong rare cards, you're a much better position than I am uh, going for D3. Uh, because to be honest, a lot of my rare cards aren't you know, the premium ones. Uh, the yeah. guys get in the 60s, high 60s. Uh, and that's why sometimes I actually look to go to D2 because there's not as, as, as big a supply of really good players competing against you so sometimes yeah. it's nice to throw in players who would be average scorers but you know you know at least they're going to be playing uh, rather than you, you have people you're going against in those divisions where they're just chucking them in because they're high scorers but they're not playing every single game week a prime example is that some of the PSG players you get rotated so yeah that's why I've, I've been quite fortunate sometimes in, in under 23's D2 it is it's it's actually interesting that I've, it's not something again maybe because i don't play up there that often but it's not something i consider often like when i enter a d4 team i'm yep. up against if i enter challenger or global let's say if i enter under 23 d4 i'm probably up against 100 noah langs or maybe it depends some people will enter them into challenger global but some people go to d3 but you're up against a lot of noah langs who are rare you're up against all exactly. the other big hitters. Whereas whenever you get to kind of D2, you, maybe you can afford... That's why sometimes we see D1 winning scores being less than a D4 winning score. And it's because there's actually only... I don't even know the numbers. Let's say 50, 20 managers entering. And, you know, the chances of all those players hitting on every week, it, you know, it's just less entries, less chance of the stars aligning. So it's an interesting yeah. one. So Plus maybe I need to be less team. critical... Yeah, yeah. The, the cost under the team into D1 is so high that the chances are there's going to be two super rares for most teams uh, unless yeah. you're one of these super wheels and you've got like tons of uh, uniques and you've got a lot of oh, so there's, to there's, pick from. So are you, you telling me that even do, wheels have wheels to them? So like, I'd call you no, a wheel. I, but I'm you have super wheel wheels. So like, <laughs> whenever whenever you call me a wheel, I, I find it absolutely hilarious because I look at the people on, on D1 and see their teams. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get smashed every game week. And whenever I do get a reward, it's, it's astonishing. It's uh, probably why my rewards uh, percentage is down to like 8% of all the all the game weeks I've entered, I've won a reward. But that's one of the things I have noticed, like people sometimes take their best uh, superwares and put them into uh, D1. So they have like three average unique cards and they have maybe you're no lying, they might have them poppy and they'll throw them into a D1 because they know that they're going to score them the best and that's, that's going to get them the best rewards. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting uh, whenever your stars do align and, and you do get, you know, a solid team consistent and you stretch yourself into like a, a T3 or T2 reward and D2s. But then, of course, you know, this is the thing about the, the dynamic rewards is the more players that enter, the less chance you're going to have, have to win. That's where extra prizes and extra ETH prizes would be a massive help. It's funny, like Quinny always talks about false super rares. So Quinny will call like really, really strong rares as like, that's a false super rare. But there's <laughs> false uniques as well. There's like yes. the guys who are really strong super rares are false uniques. That's very funny. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, so uh, no, but it's, it's, it's an interesting point you make because I'm very critical of my D2 teams. But when I actually sit back and look at it, and I, when I say my D2 teams, it's like one. Actually, as I say, I won that Johan Handel super rare from it. It went well. Um, but that was because it was midweek and there was a lack of competition really but I'm very critical when I enter the team because I look at it and I think of it through my D4 lens where I'm thinking like I should have Tadic and Ronaldo and Berghaus and you know I need my where's my Trent Alexander-Arnolds and my whoever else look at me flexing whereas whenever I'm looking at this I'm kind of like okay I've Melvin Bard I've Kakare I've Jonathan David I've Raphael Leao 
who don't get me wrong, like they're they're all big, but Kulisevsky, they're the kind of big ones that I would have that might fit the under twenty three D two. They're yep. all great players. They're all very promising for the future, but they are not consistent enough, or they don't have enough peak scores for me to be thinking like, oh yeah, that's actually going to compete. But I need to think about what I'm competing against. Do you know, exactly. That's the big because thing, particularly in under twenty threes. Particularly there. Yes. There's such a small pool, and if you think about the prizes available in under twenty threes, there's twenty two prizes available. So even if you have like the entire supply, so there's only ten super rares in the season. So there could be ten, ten no lines all into uh, D two, and even if you get mm-hmm. to like two year supply, so that'll be twenty super rares. So you could be going up against all twenty super rares of no line, but then you're still two extra prizes. You know, still two extra. Even if he's going to have like a bad game week or an amazing game week, still two other ones you can still get there. So yeah. it's just one of the things I always take consideration is like there's only so many people that are going to have this like elite card, and yeah. that's why I just took in the teams in the D two or D one. Because even there's an argument to be had, and you know people always say like, well, if you've an Lang, he has to be an under twenty threes. If you've a Trent, well, he has to be an under twenty threes. And I understand yep. that, but at the same time, there's weeks whenever just the way my the way it falls, where it might make sense for me. Do you know what? I've got Hans Vanneken over in my challenger lineup or in my global lineup and I've Lang here. I would rather stack them together in global than split them and have Lang over here. Do you know, I've got, oh, here, there's Ricardo Pepe. He can fill in for Lang this week in under 23s. Do you know, so there is like, while it makes sense that all of them might be in under 23s, inevitably that won't be the case because everyone doesn't think with such a critical and strategic mind about their lineups. Some people just go in and scatter gun. And some people don't even enter. Maybe Gary V or yeah. one of his mates has a few Noah Lang super rares, you know, and they just don't enter. Yeah. Now, I know that's very unlikely, but it's just for an example, <laughs> like for a kind of throw. Well, there's there. definitely at least an Poppy that's gone and that's not been used from yeah. Gary V. So that's one you don't have to worry about. <laughs> exactly. Like, um, so yeah. And that's why, right. that's why I look into like Division 4 and it's like, I'm competing against like 100 100 uh, editions of one card, 100 no lines, 100 no poppies, 100 commi- commissions. You know, all these cards are terrifying to me. And I, I can tell you now, probably my best rare card is Yao Paolo uh, for Seattle, uh, MLS player. It's, it's just, I haven't focused my energy into it. I, I sort of went top down, uh, invested heavy into Super Rare Uniques and thought, okay, in terms of like scarcity and how many others I'm going to be playing against, I'll probably have a better chance. Mm. I'm just looking at him now. Yeah, can, <laughs> honestly, if you go through my collection of rare cards, you'll be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody's he's got nice scores there. Um, but yeah, no, that that was a nice conversation. The it's funny, like I'm telling you now, I am very hopeful. Like this podcast is obviously, um, I'm doing this in collaboration with one thirty seven PM, which is part of VaynerMedia, which is Gary V's company. So I'm very hopeful that Big Gary will be on the podcast sometime. And I swear to you, is now you can hold me to it. My first question is going to be like, Gary. Why the fuck aren't you playing SO5 with those cards? Do you know, you have to be entering Mbappe. Like, it's mad. How many Mbappe's has, has he got? Is your second question going to be, uh, if you're not going to rim, can you please loan them to me? Literally, <laughs> you have three Mbappe's, mate. Loan me one. Just loan me one. You've got f- three Joy Felixes and a unique Felix. Loan me that Felix, and I will give you 25. I'll, I'll give him the extra. I'll say, look, I'll be putting in four Super Rares with him. Your unique's going to get us over the line. I'll give you a quarter. I'll give you one fourth of the pot. I swear to you now, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and negotiate with the guy. Uh, but anyway, on we go. The next question after we've already covered gardeners, 
we bang out a few questions here before we go. Sausage, I love the name. I listened to the pod today, and when you said you put in 30k in so rare a year ago, which is now 100k gallery, which is awesome. Um, but ETH was 10 times cheaper a year ago or so. Uh, I'm butchering this, but ETH was 10 times cheaper a year ago. So if you just held the ETH you have, you'd have 300k today. Do you think managers take this into account or just the crypto heads? So I think you're a good guy for this as well because you're a crypto head. Um, my kind of, I might have, I must have mis, mis portrayed my position here. And I think I said this on a, I did a recent YouTube video, albeit a bit clickbaity, but it was truth. It was the whole kind of like, um, how much money have I made in so rare? The answer was nothing because I haven't sold any, but um, I didn't stick 30 grand in the so rare a year ago. I maybe stuck five grand in and then I stuck another five grand in and then I stuck another 10 grand in over the time. Like the bulk of my deposits have came since June this year, I think. Um, at least half of those deposits, more than half of those deposits came since June this year. So I wouldn't have 300 grand a day, but I probably would have, I don't know, somewhere near the same, maybe. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, the point kind of stands. If you take me out of it and take just use the example, um, a, a lot of things people are saying in the comments underneath that, people are kind of saying like, if Cal and 2Bob Squirt are saying like, I wouldn't have even looked at crypto or ETH if it wasn't for so rare. So like, like that would never have happened to me. You know, it was so rare or nothing. And another kind of thing I just want to throw in here and then I'll let you, I want to see what you have to say on it, but entertainment value cannot be understated. I wouldn't give a shit and I'd be sitting with sleepless nights if I had 30 grand in Ethereum. I feel like I've a reduced exposure to Ethereum through SoRare. I'm back in SoRare, not necessarily Ethereum. And I know that's a whole other conversation that maybe we won't get into, but the entertainment I get out of this is just, that has value. Um, so there's a couple of points to throw out there. Let's see what you have to say. Yeah, I think honestly this question it's, it's something that people should probably be more aware of uh, going forward. I know there's a lot of people who value their cards in fiat, um, and there's a lot who just completely disregard the value of ETH at times. But where this actually plays a big factor is the more you, you sort of like sit in that ETH, the more you don't spend your, your rewards. Uh, because if the ETH is gaining the value all this time, then that means that you're purchasing power and the, what you're actually going to be able to buy with your rewards, that ETH reward, is going to increase over time. You're going to be able to buy better cards over time because that's constantly gaining the value. Uh, for me, it's, it's spot on. Like I, I, I know exactly, like I didn't start uh, my Sorare journey and didn't have any ETH beforehand. I, I came into Sorare, I already had ETH. I, I was very, very lucky like yourself, John, where uh, I, I've been buying ETH and crypto since 2017. So I've been very fortunate in that regard where you know I've got quite a lot there for a, a small amount of money. Uh, but in that regard, I always look uh, at the you know what would have happened if I didn't put my money in Sorare. So I always have to be on the impression, right, I need to be getting you know the same amount of value out of my cards in ETH. Yeah. Um, or, or my valuation of my, my gallery has to be the same. Otherwise, I'll be looking at it and be like, okay, well, I put in probably about 80 ETH worth from just like stacking up over time. So if I'm getting to a stage someday where, you know, my gallery is no longer worth 80 ETH, it's worth 60 ETH. Well, that means I've effectively lost 20 ETH just from playing. Mm. So it's something that a lot of us crypto heads will be very much aware of. Um, but in terms of like what other 
uh, options do you have out there in terms of like trying to increase your ETH? Uh, so I, I've managed to go from 80 ETH in my roster valuation, according to Rare Data, which we all know that the valuation is going to be off at times. Uh, then I have a gallery of 93.59 ETH. So I'm up over like 10% over two years. And you consider the interest rates so for banks and stuff, being, you know, they're absolute trash at the minute. So you're getting less than like 1%. So for me to get, get over like 10% in return in two years is, is pretty reasonable. So uh, as long as I, I continue on that, that pathway where I'm always going to be, you know, able to hopefully cash out more than I, I put in, then I should be happy enough of that. But definitely it's, it's a point worth taking and I, I think as more people as they sit and they look at the, the roster and what it's worth I think it's definitely good to think okay if I hold this ETH over time this might actually be worth a bit more to me and I can just withdraw that instead of buying this next like limited card this next rare card next super rare card whatever it is so when we first started recording this and I sort of introduced you and you've been on since whatever date I could look, looked at your roster valuation so rare data and it says 93 0.57 ETH. I didn't even mm-hmm. look at the ETH. I just looked at the dollars. I don't know why. And it said $146,000. That is wrong. Why is that? I have no idea. That's something that that's doing. That's so broken. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, that that's just broken. And I don't get it because I looked and I seen 146 and I was sitting saying, geez, I thought mine was like 110. And I was like, something's broken here because our galleries are very different now. It's like maybe because you've got uniques, it doesn't know how to value them and whatever else. But it's given yep. you like a good value in ETH. It's just got it wrong with dollars. I wonder if mine's the same. So I'm wondering if through our data might change their calculations and how they work out um, the actual dollar valuation. Because I know originally they didn't have any support for dollar valuation or fiat mm-hmm. valuation. And then eventually they added. So maybe after that date, they're, they sort of take into consideration the dollar price that people pay and not the ETH price. I don't know, but so, your, your dollars is because I was thinking like if whenever you said you put an eighty ETH or whatever, I was like, but his galleries only yeah. worth a hundred and four. I was like, this guy's lost yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> Do you know, yes. this guy's having a yes. nightmare. <laughs> yeah, but um, so, but that's what I mean. It's, it's it's a lot of risk whenever I, I put the money in. Um, I think over time, whenever I, I first put it in, and that's what I said. I, I started off as as a, a collector where I was putting in money to buy the likes of Doka Unique, Yari Vasharn Unique. And then after a conversation with you'll never walk alone, he sort of said to me, look, you can probably make back quite a lot of ETH if you start investing a little bit more, get your third unique and start investing in super rares because you can actually use them and get full utility out there. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until that point that I started taking it a lot more seriously. Um, and I actually, by last day, I started winning a bit more. Uh, yeah, and I've been yeah. fortunate enough, I've won some big prizes. Like, for example, the best prize I've won by far is easily... Uh, Giant Luigi Donnarumma Super Rare. So, and then that's recently that's recently went into auction. Uh, someone's picked up for eight point five ETH. So, it's, it's absolutely huge. That's like ten percent of your deposits, like, and yeah, that's crazy. Exactly. So, um, look, I think that's an interesting co- topic. I think we've kind of covered it there. So, the next question is from Josh Fourth, regular submitter of questions. Good man, Josh. Uh, cracking guess this with SO5 leagues reform with an SO5 league reform looking more and more likely what league structure would you like to see for example D1 to D5 change into four single scarcity divisions or another variation and I'll throw in there Perez's question on a serious note how would you both react to divisions but made single scarcity so see my tweet earlier this week Um, so there has been I don't know how much you've heard I've heard little rumors through grapevines and whatever else people kind of speculating about what's happening and people reckon so rare are debating uh 
unique division, a super rare division, a rare division, a limited division, and then probably the starter league rookie or whatever. What do you think about that? Uh, and now, I, here's the thing. Sorry, that, that idea can can just go and fuck off and die, please. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's I, I how you feel, yeah. Probably, honestly, th- this is the part where I took my toys out the pram and start blowing up. Uh, I think this is awful. I think it's really, really terrible if this is introduced. Uh, the reason for that is it, it, it completely fucks the progression system in, in Surreir. So right now you yeah. have D4, which is your rare cards. You have D3, which is a combination. You've got your two rares and you get your, or is it three three rares and two yeah. super rares? And you go from that and then you go D, D2, which you have one rare, uh, three super rares and you have one unique, or you could have four super rares. So essentially it, it completely messes things up in terms of valuations of super rares, also messes up valuations of uniques. Uh, I've positioned myself where I've got like quite a, a nice, collection i've got 10 unique cards which isn't too bad but there's a lot of those cards i probably wouldn't play together uh they wouldn't be good together so a lot of them would probably lose their value uh that means i can't get as much utility out of that i can't use one unique in the d2 anymore which is a massive massive you know balls for me mm. um but not only that it's, it sort of messes up in terms of progression for people in the lower tiers as well so if you're going from d5 you have your limited cards and you're trying to get from limited cards to your rares. The only way you can progress really, really quickly is if you start winning your rare cards. So maybe if they're offering like tons and tons of rare cards as rewards to D5, that could maybe work. And the same for every single division. Okay, you get tons of rewards for the next tier up. But the, the, the big thing for me is really the cost, is the cost that would take to go from one division to the next. So if you imagine like a competitive team in D2, and we, we sort of know it's around about you're at least paying at least two ETH for per card uh, mm. to get like a half decent, uh, you know, super rare stack. Um, and if you can compare that to your limited card stacks, or if you want to compare that to your rare card stacks, you can get like rare cards of, of a quite good standard, probably for about 0.8 ETH. So, you know, you're talking about that's 0.8 ETH, what, four ETH per team compared to, you know, four, probably 10 ETH for uh, a super rare team. You know, there's a huge investment required to sort of go through the different mm. levels, whereas the, it, the progression is actually not that terrible right now. It's, it works. But I yeah. still think it could be improved. Like, there's there's another one. I've seen, like, another post below this. And I don't know if you're going to get into this, so maybe I should pause now and let you say what no, you want to t- say. No, tell, tell me what it was. So I think I've seen, like, another suggestion, which would be uh, if they're going to introduce this, double the divisions so yeah you can have your your full tiers which would be full limited full uh, rare full super rare but also double that so you have 10 divisions instead so you always have a progression uh you always have like so you're limited and then you have your limited and your rares division together so that means once you win a couple of rares then you can actually put in say three limited two rares and then next thing, that, the next that step makes up would sense be, because yeah, because you eventually it's a slow progression. It's like you'll slowly invest more. You you'll slowly win a rare card, which you can get utility out of. Um, and I think for that it makes sense as well because if I'm in Division Ten, say, and I'm working with limited cards, and I always try and put myself there, would you? Well, Division Ten still be your limited cards. Um, because I'm thinking maybe I've got this broken in my head. I'm thinking five oh, scarce. Well, suppose you, so suppose you, you still go, have your, say, your rookie league. Division, so, so rookie league could be like Division 10. Let me just spitball at you for a second here. Well, you go commons division in 11. There. Division 11 would be uh, rookie league. 
and then you'd have straight into your because you have to have two divisions for each scarcity. Well, listen to me a second. Maybe my eyes are just off, and you're going to laugh at me and say, "John, you're a stupid fucker." In two minutes, but give me, give me my twenty seconds here. Would you not go common in tens, common limited nine, limited in eight, limited rare in seven, rare in six, rare and super rare in five, super rare five off. What have I forgot? Anyway, the principles there, the ideas there. You'd go yeah. basically. You'd have uniques, and then you'd have a you unique have super rare. Then you have super rare, yeah. and super rare, 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 yeah. rare, limited, and go on. Like that makes sense. Another way I think they could do it. I don't know if they will do this. Is if they go a unique division, a super rare division, a rare division, and a limited division, but also they mirror that and they have a unique division average max average score forty. You know, super rare division max Ooh. average score. Super rare division max average because that gives value directly work to those other cards that aren't competing now with the monsters. So it means that every card has value, and you could even give the shitters the ability to win the good players. <laughs> you know, but like you could give your shit super rares a max average forty. You could give them the chance to win you the other super rares or at least star rares. Could you rares. imagine how devastated you'd be if you had a, a squad full of shitters and the next thing you're like, "Stop doing so well!" That's the thing. Fuming. That that <laughs> is like, actually but, probably a big issue because you could be you'd constantly having to be chopping and changing and buying, and then your guys performing too well, but then you can no longer play him in the shit division. You have to play him in the big division, but you've no one to go with him. Yeah, maybe it gets a bit messy. But, but maybe but it supports imagine, buying cards. It does support buying cards. And this is one of the things I've actually spoke about in the past. Like, it's, it's, it's quite nice if they give more utility. I like that, the way they do that in Special Weekly, where they, they allow uh, cards to, to be used if they score less than 40. But it would be quite a, an interesting dialogue whenever you're talking about, oh, what team are you going to line up for this game week? So you'd be talking, oh, this week, am I good one? I'm going to do this. Um, and for my shitters, this is what I'm going to do this game week. You know, <laughs> this week in the shitters, we've got this. Yeah, yeah. He's relegated but- to the shitters. Get out of here. <laughs> I think for me though, like right back to the, the the topic at hand. I think if they do do that, as has been rumored, I think we might know a lot. But I think they have enough cop on, and there's been enough uproar from the community. And I I, I would like to think they realize that they couldn't just go unique, super rare, rare, limited, commons, five divisions. That's that. I would like to think that if they did that, they would have the Joker up the sleeve of some other feature, complete differently other feature that we aren't even thinking about that adds value or supplements that are made. Because I think that it's an awkward balance where you'd be amazed how many people message me. And I'm not even joking when I say this, and they might even be listening. No question's a stupid question, but there are lazy questions. People do genuinely ask me, why is a rare worth more than a limited? I get asked that every week. I've been asked that every week this year. I swear to you. And they just don't realize it. So people will ask like, oh, um, I'm buying these. Can, can limiteds go on D4? People don't know. People actually ask me these questions. And you need, I need to try and remember that. And I'm not trying to chastise them or give them shit. I mean, the bottom line is we're all new once. But like what I'm getting at and the reason I'm giving you those is maybe, simplicity maybe that's actually a good feedback for the team. Because yeah. if, they're, if they're actually having to ask why... It's, it's worth more like then that probably actually means that they're not seeing the rewards are better for the higher tiers and for the higher divisions so that might be something for Carl and the rest of the team uh, Nicholas Dan 
Yeah, get on that, boys. <laughs> yeah, no, because yeah. I think, like, even, do you know what? And this is the most simple thing in the world. Pictured, I don't know, have you so rare open by chance? If anyone is listening to this and it's so rare open. So go into so rare, go to play, go to this week, right? Upcoming game week. This is my suggestion. It would be the easiest thing in the world, right? Click on Global All-Star. And when you're there, let me know. And you'll see, like, the the five divisions. I don't know if you've submitted teams or not yet. Um, yep, on there. Okay, so do you see between where it says Global All-Star and over to the right, it'll have, like, either play or, like, for me, because I've submitted teams, it's the bin or edit? Yes. Do you see that massive white space? you're gonna see if you're gonna say what i've actually been thinking for a long time are you gonna say that you think whenever you've entered a team that should show you a cut of each player's face and like you can quickly view a glance that's not what i was gonna say but that's great for once you've entered what i'm suggesting (laughs) is before you've entered for those people and it's the most simple thing to introduce beside that for d5 it should just have like five yellow dots on d4 it should have five red dots or four red dots and one dot that's half white and half red. Looks pretty, it's clean. So little circles, four red, one of them is half red, half white. On D3, you know what's coming. Do you know? <laughs> you can have five red, three red dots and then two dots that are half red and half blue. And we keep going. And then the minute you click on Global All-Star, you look, you can see what you need to enter. That's the most quick, simple quick, thing in the world. Team. Get that note down right now. Yeah, jot that one down, Dan, or Brian, or whoever's listening. <laughs> Nicholas, I hope it's you, mate. Get it. Like, that is, that's implemented in a second. And that stops me answering three yeah. questions a week yeah. over the course of a year. 150 confused people. Like, um, it's, it's and if that's, what, sorry, if that's a question I'm getting, imagine the support tickets and the questions they're getting. Oh, of course. So. But. You know, this is the sort of things I sort of take for granted because I've been on on playing Sorares for so long. Um, yeah, it's quite funny though because actually I've got my father playing. Uh, so whenever I watch him like okay. try and use this the site and stuff, it's actually really funny watching him. Be like, where do I go now and all this? But like, it's it's kind of interesting because it's always good feedback. And I'm like, oh, they should change this because you know it's not blatantly obvious to him what to mm-hmm. do in that case. So, yep. Um... So look, I think we'll maybe take one more question based on time. I'm going to shout all all the nearlies. So Big Mort's had a question um, with Bob Flynn there. I think that was it Bob. Let me just check this out. It might have been Bob. Did Bob win his first competition? Bob won his first competition this week. He had a big week. So congratulations to Bob. I think he went to 1D5 under 23s. So shout out to Bob. I think he got a Martin Van yeah, Sebastian Simansky, Javier Hernandez, and a Gakbo Common. Great week for Bob. Fair play to you, Bob. Uh, Ewan McShane, Evan McShane, sorry. Uh, Paul Moorcroft. There's uh, Yuri Mernovich. Mironovich. 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 There's a few more years there. Shout out to you all. Thank you so much for the questions. They're great. But next week, you'll just have to get your friends to like them because the most like it asked first. That's what we're about here, baby. Um, so the last question, just because it did get the next most likes, and just to kind of, you know, we're going here, we go there every week apparently. The fucker keeps getting the likes. Would you rather, this is from CG So Rare, would you rather dive into a pool of snot daily or shower in your best mate's pee every day? This is a ridiculous question. I'm going into, I'm jumping into it. Oh God. This is a crazy question. Why am I doing this to us? I don't give an answer. Do you care? Um, depends what time in the morning. Is it the morning time or evening time? The fact you know, that they do how, it every, every like, day. But then I'm also wondering, like, is the snot, like, how thick is the snot? Is it, like, really slimy? Or is it, like, you know, full of boogers? 
you know as a I think I'm do you know what it's like, my best mate's pee if it was someone random no thanks but it's my best mate do you know what yeah but is it your best mate on a full bladder or is it is it just like you know quick is, pee? It, is it like yeah. Is it like is it yellow? Is it like red? Is it red? Yeah. Whoa! Is it is it yellow? Is it like there's something seriously wrong with red? I've been all about red, red and yellow dots about limiteds and rares for too long. Um. Anyway, I think I'm personally, I'm. Sh- no, I was gonna say a charmp, but like, bottom line is, people would think very bad of you and work and stuff because like. I don't want to give this any more airtime, but bottom line is if I can get a quick shower and pee and then go and get a proper shower that, and if I'm not allowed to shower other than in pee, I'm probably jumping into a pool of snot. There's your answer. Right. I don't know. Do you have an answer? Yeah, that sounds perfect, yeah. Here's like a... It. What was that? I'm not going ahead. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Something that I've just noticed here, but I said it to you very briefly when we started recording. I wonder, long term... Law of averages. Some people are superstitious, some people aren't. Will cards with the serial number 13 be less expensive on average across the board than others? Do you give a fuck about the number 13? I don't give a fuck about 13. <laughs> What's the special about 13? It's, it's, it's unlucky. It's lucky for some people. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's, it's unlucky. No, 13 is uh, the one that's like Friday 13th. Uh, like, oh no, someone's going to die. So I'm saying, like, if you get a. Because I got a Kiko Casilla that's 13 of 100. I'm like. No, I know on an individual basis at the minute it really no, doesn't matter. Trying and to like, sell me this card and be like, oh, you know, the thirteen is actually worth a lot. You know, you should you know, really if, buy this. Off I mean, me. like if you've any balls, you'd get a thirteen because it's more unlucky. And if you can win with a thirteen, you're better. That's kind of <laughs> anyway. I wonder because you know, like there's airplanes uh, and there's hotels that don't have like the thirteenth row or the thirteenth level of a hotel. That that's a thing. That's true. But then so, there's also um, someone in the community collecting 69 cards because I've seen that on Reddit. So It's probably Black. It's not him, but that's <laughs> what he's into. Um, but yeah, the uh, it's funny. We had such like coherent, great conversation for like an hour and 15 minutes and then we've descended into these two topics. But <laughs> what I'll leave you with, as I do every week, is the 137 game. So last week... Um, we who who? Let me see. I haven't even got it in front of me here. Last week, McBride picked Brozovic and Lizakovic, I think, and he got a score of one hundred and eleven point seven, which puts him in. He's he's not closer than Black. Black's the leader of October so far with one hundred and sixteen. What are your two players for game week two ten to try and so hit one hundred and thirty seven points? I thought for this, I'd have to go for a player's eyes I own because it means a bit more. Uh, so I'll be oh, yeah, okay. from the extra hard. So the first one I'm going to go for is no line. Um, I'm confident he should be smashing in this game week. He's playing against uh, KV Kortrig. I probably butchered that pronunciation. My pronunciation's say, probably worse than yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> say, say the name again. Who was it? KV Kortrig. As and who's Noah Langs. Yeah. Oh, Noah Langs. Sorry, I, I missed the Noah Lang part. Yeah. yeah. For Club Bruges. Um and the second player will be a defender, so I expect he'll probably get a goal or assist, maybe get seventies. Um hoping uh Leo Grimmel for Austria was it Rapavian? Or yeah, Rapavian in the Austrian Bundesliga. So I'm hoping he's gonna get around about fifty. Uh so fingers crossed. They sound like um Fair, fair choices. I think there's good strategy there. I've had HG come on before and pick Kimmich and Lewandowski, which was madness. I think one week yes. MDJ scored like 180. Um, 
with Ronaldo and someone who was it? Um, Aaron Jones picked Ronaldo and was it Vanekin? He only scored 82. That wasn't a bad choice, but like I think this is a solid one. You, you have an idea. I think the, the, the meta here and what future guests, if they're listening, should be doing, I think two defenders is a solid shout, a defensive stack. Because, I mean, if they both do it, you're looking at 120. And if they have any sort of all around on top, you're probably close. But here we go. You have a terrible game. It could be like 28 points and you'll be the the record holder for the lowest amount of points scored. (laughs) I think we had a zero. I actually think someone had like neither like two DMPs. Need to keep a record of them all. I hope so. Hoping that's not me. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, Mark, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anywhere you'd like anything you'd like to plug before before we bounce? Yeah, nothing to plug for me. Uh, thank you very much for bringing me on, and thanks to everyone who submitted questions. Always great as always. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. So, look, thanks a million, and I'm sure I'll chat again to you down the line. Awesome, thanks. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please make sure to leave a review and give me a wee shout out on social media. Ideally, Twitter, Instagram works. But let us know you're enjoying the show and uh, hopefully we can get some more people listening. Have a great week. Best of luck at the weekend and I'll chat to you next week.